You're about to listen to a message from Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. The Father's Church is an assembly of believers committed to revealing the fatherhood of Almighty God to this generation through sound biblical teachings and corresponding moral conduct. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill that purpose and live that life that God has originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, the Hebrews have a saying. They say that there is nothing the eye sees and it, 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 uh, it runs blood. Okay? So, in essence, it says the words that the eye can cry is, is water. Okay? I don't know if any of us have seen the video of the, um, of the uh, kidnapped students in Kaduna where they are being tormented by those, um, you know, demon-possessed people. If you see that video, it's not, um, it's so painful. First of all, the people are so lean. So obviously they haven't been eating. And, you know, they're, they're cutting their body with knives and, you know, just beating them. And I don't know. Let's just bow our heads and ask the Lord to heal our land, to have mercy. And in particular, those children, I can't imagine what their parents, can't even imagine what they themselves are going through. And ask, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on our country. Have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy on those children, innocent children. The only crime they've committed is that they're Nigerians. Lord, have mercy, Lord. Have mercy. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us, O Lord. Forgive us and deliver us, O Lord, Father. From these wicked ones. Save us, O Lord, from these wicked ones. And turn things around in our country. We pray through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Okay, um, we, we've had some interesting time. And um, we're trusting God to help us. Last Sunday we looked at Jesus, the value of my life. And on Wednesday, we're reminded of the awesomeness, the greatness of the God that we serve, the God that we have to do with. And uh, those meditations are very important because they are the meditations that guide us and keep us on this straight and narrow path. Praise the Lord. This morning, I want us to look at Second um, Peter. And we are basically going to just look at the man Peter and look at some of the, his experiences and who he is and what he is to us. Thank God that we have not crowned him the head of the church like some people have in error. Peter is not the head of the church. He's not the first pope. If he's the first pope, then oh, there is no other pope after him because he has a mother-in-law in the Bible. Praise the Lord. And those who understand, understand what I'm saying. Okay. So he has a mother-in-law in the Bible and he has children. <clears throat> okay, so I don't know where they got that, but he is a man whose life, you know, bears for us 
a lot of things to learn from. Come with me to Second Peter chapter 1. And for today, we may stop at the first four verses. Second Peter chapter 1, and let's read together. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through this you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. May the Lord bless his word in Jesus name. We, we, we have some men in the scriptures that are very notable. Okay, we have men that are very notable. You know, in men that we, we can't talk about our Christian faith without looking intently and, you know, studiously at their lives. And one of them, and I think maybe the most popular, is the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul stands out in the sense that he's an example to us, okay, and to the world and to all. That no matter how bad, no matter how off the radar a person is, you know, no matter how far a person is, no matter how much in opposition, the persons that the kidnappers, the terrorists, Taliban, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Boko Haram, no matter how bad anyone could be, the grace and the mercy of our God is what? Is more than able to save. Praise the Lord. Paul is that example. In 1 Timothy 1, please you may have that for us on the screen, verse 12 to 15. We just see a bit of Paul's testimony. Okay, it says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he has counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And he says, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, he says, But I did what? I obtained mercy. Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now 14 says, and the grace, this is what we learn from him. The grace of our Lord was what? Exceedingly abundant. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. The grace of our Lord is always, always, even now, someone listening to me, the grace of our Lord is what? Exceedingly abundant over and beyond whatever is holding you or is condemning you or is restricting you. And he says, with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Now, this is what he says in 15. 15, he now says, he says, this is a faithful sin and worthy of all acceptance. King James would say, all acceptation. Okay? That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am what? Are there fellow chiefs here? Yeah? I think they are fellow chiefs. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't think he can claim that position alone. But that's what Paul, you know, tells us in the Bible. That no matter where anyone is, the grace of God, the mercy of God. The Bible says he's able to save to the uttermost. Okay? He speaks up from the miry clay and he brings a man. Can you imagine this man who was the chief of sinner according to him has now been put into the ministry. 
And I think I can stand somewhere around him because I look at my life and I thank God for the grace and the Pentecostal movement in Nigeria. If he had been left to the Anglicans and Catholics and Presbyterians and Methodists and all of that, I may never be in this position. But when the grace of God opened up the gospel in Nigeria and started allowing men like you and I to come in and serve him, that's how come people like us could come. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, somebody. Yes, if you don't thank the Lord for me, I think I was also in that class. Praise Jesus. Okay, so we learn that from the Apostle Paul that mercy, God's mercy is mighty. It's mightier than anybody's mess. God's grace is greater than anybody's, you know, grass and nonsense. He's able to deliver and to save and restore and make good use of any human being that comes to him. Praise the Lord. However, Peter comes from a different direction. Peter has, you know, a very average start, okay? Peter is not, is not one of the persons that he can call chief of sinners. Peter started off, you know, just averagely a fisherman. That was, you know, how we read of him, just making his best efforts, you know, to survive and to live. And then after the encounter he had with the Lord Jesus, which we're going to look at a few of them before we're going to study in the text, we saw that Peter's experience becomes also for us an, an enlightening journey into a roller coaster experience of a Christian. You see, Peter is one person that experienced highs and lows as a born-again Christian that many of us can identify with. Peter was the one we looked at it a few weeks back here where we're talking about correction okay, and unity and all of that. Peter, as an apostle, was rebuked by Paul in public, called a hypocrite. Imagine that. This is like, you know, somebody coming out from there now and saying, Pastor, okay, now you're a hypocrite. And then I, I don't get offended. Praise the Lord. He didn't say it in private. You know, the Bible says, you know, uh, uh, how does it say to the elders? But this was because the sin or the offense was done openly. Paul, by the Spirit, rebuked him openly. And the lesson for me is that Peter did not take offense. Somebody said, I want to grow to that level in the name of Jesus. So we see that from Peter. And we also see from Peter, you know, several experiences that we want to see and, you know, just touch a few of them before we go into his letter. And another thing we pick also is that Paul, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, okay, Peter didn't write a lot. Paul wrote most. And Paul is a lawyer. Paul is a learned man. Okay, writing was his forty. Praise the Lord. So before the hand of God came upon Paul, he would write. After the hand of God came upon him, by the many revelations, he had to write. But for a fisherman to write is like a panel beater writing books. Praise the Lord, somebody. It's like your panel beater. How many of us have panel beaters? Okay. That means if you don't have car, that means you get a car and then get a panel beater. And then grow not to have a panel beater. You now start driving brand new cars. Amen. But anyway, for, for Peter, it's like a pan wine tapper writing books. He was, the, the, the text we looked at last Sunday, you know, right ministry, said that they knew Peter to be uneducated and unlearned. So his illiteracy was known. Okay. But for such a man to come and write, that means he must have had something to write. You know, you attend a lot of meetings 
And people, because they can speak very good grammar, you know, just say something. And there are some people that don't want to speak because their grammar, they're not, you know, public speakers, they're shut. But sometimes the matter that is in, in discussion compels them that they have to speak. And when they speak, you see that sense is more powerful than grammar. How many of us have been in such meetings? The person was hitting it from left to right, knocking the English, bringing, you know, past tense to future tense. But the sense he made solved all the problems. That's what Peter is about. So I want to encourage us, no matter how what happens here today, when you go home, I trust the Lord may help us as a church to be able to do that, to look at the epistles of Peter and learn, praise the Lord, from this man. Peter, first of all, is the man we also looked at this, you know, I think it was two Wednesdays ago. If there was anybody who was to preach the gospel of prosperity, it should have been Peter. Peter had the basis. Peter was the one who was experiencing what we will call near success syndrome. How many of us have those names, you know, say to them? You don't hear it here, Abby. If there was anybody who had a right to claim it, it was Peter. Why? Peter told all night. Peter kept throwing in the net. And then when he throws in the net, he will drag and drag and drag. Now, if, you, if you've been, you know, if you need a bit of fishing, when you throw in the net, when it doesn't catch fish, it doesn't come back empty. It comes back with trash. It comes back with, if it's Nigeria today, it will come back with pure water. It will come back with water hyacinth. It will come back with uh, tin tomato, you know. So Peter will throw the net in and pull and pull and pull, thinking he has fish. What is he going to see? He will see junk. Then he'll throw it away. And this is what he did. That's how come they could toil all night. If not, if they threw and get empty net, then they will go home and know there's no fish. But they kept, you know, he kept looking like something will happen. And then they realized nothing happened. So if there is anybody to tell us about near success, but you know he didn't tell us about that. So we won't bother about it. But Peter told in Luke 5 from verse 1 to 11, until Jesus came and said to him, okay, Peter, this is what is going to happen. I'm going to tell you that prosperity is not a problem. Breakthrough is not a problem in heaven. Say to your neighbor, breakthrough is not a problem in heaven. No, it's not a problem. He just said to him with one word. He said, launch out into the cast out your net and then you're going to have a catch. As simple as that. Peter said, this thing doesn't work. But nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to give it a shot. We know the story. Peter went, you know, threw in his net. And what happened? He caught such fish that there was not enough strength. They had to bid upon their fellow fishermen to come and help them to bring it in. But the lesson there is in 8 and 9. The lesson there says, when Simon Peter saw it, he felt, what did he say? Okay, let's go back to 7 so we know what he saw. Thank you. He says, when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish that their net was what? Breaking, net breaking increase. Okay, 7. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink with blessings. Amen. But when Peter saw it, what did he do? He fell down at Jesus' knees saying what? Depart from me for I am what? A sinful man, O Lord. Now how does a financial breakthrough encounter translate to a conviction of sin experience? Let's know that about Peter. Are you with me? Let's know that about Peter. Peter didn't print a card. A to Z of what? Sudden turnaround. 
He didn't say, I'm an apostle commissioned to turn overnight failures to early morning success. He didn't do that. So we leave Peter there. We also find out that Peter is another man in Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, our Lord Jesus gathered his disciples and we're asking them, who do men say that I am? Okay, finally he said to them, who do you yourself say that I am? And they were all saying different things. But all of a sudden, you know, Peter spoke. And our Lord Jesus said in 16, he said to him, Peter, flesh and blood has no what? Reveal this to you. He said, but my father in heaven. So if there's somebody who can claim that God speaks to him and through him, it is who? It is Peter. Praise the Lord. And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, correct. But let me even let you know, Peter, this was not your idea. God just spoke through you. Hooray. Praise the Lord. We clap for Peter in that. But Peter also shows us, if you go down the story in verse 21 to 23, that a man that God speaks through in one hour, in the next hour, has no guarantee that God is speaking through him. That's why the Bible tells you, tells me, tells every one of us. It says, test what? All spirits. Test all spirits. Because it didn't say test every person. Because that may sound, you know, it may make no sense. But you see, it was Peter that spoke and it was God the Father that spoke through him. But in the next moment, Peter spoke, 21 to 23. Who was now speaking? Jesus said, this is the agenda of heaven. This is what the father wants. Peter said, I rebuke you, master. That must not happen. Immediately, the same Jesus, I want you to note very important things there in this account. The same Jesus that without prompting said, Peter, you just spoke by the father. The same Jesus said to him, I rebuke you, Satan. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, nobody can love you like Jesus. You know that? Praise the Lord. When the matter is critical, the doctor should not play jokes with me. Are you hearing me? When the matter is critical, the doctor shouldn't play jokes with you. Jesus did not sell Peter. I know you're a nice guy. Okay, this idea you have, I think um, maybe because uh, this, this, this. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He says what? He said, you are no offense. We looked at this passage some time ago. He said, because you're not mindful of the things of God. It means there are things of God that we should have our minds what? Full of. Full of. Praise the Lord. So Peter, we have this experience with Peter. We also have, you know, several of them. Peter is the only man, only man apart from our Lord Jesus Christ, who we know is not just a man. He's the son of God. Praise the Lord. Who walked on water. The rest of us can swim. The rest of us can do backstroke. We can do all kinds of styles. But to walk on water has not been given to us. Peter is the only man who walked on water. He has that experience given to him. Peter is the only man also who, who experienced with the Lord Jesus what I may call automatic roll away of reproach. You see, you, if you've been, if you've been um, young people may not understand this and I know there are not too many young people. But as you grow to become a man, you know there's a saying that says to be a man is not a day's job, Abby. How, how, does, how, how is it put? Is that the way it's put? To be a man is not a day's job. Okay, these days we don't see things written behind lorries. But it used to be most of the popo- most popular things written. Okay? Peter is somebody who experienced life. And in one account in Matthew 17. Matthew 17, 24 to 27. I, I don't know what may have happened. But at this time in their ministry, they were broke. They were broke. 
And in verse 24, the Bible said the tax collectors came. And they said to Peter, I mean, you, we know you haven't paid. I mean, they didn't mention Peter. But he said, what of your master? Has your master paid? Okay. And as they made that conversation with Peter, Peter entered into the house trying to tell our Lord Jesus, there's a problem here. The tax collectors have come and there is no money. You know we don't have money. Okay. But the Bible says, as Peter got in, our Lord Jesus anticipated him, didn't wait for him to lament, asked him and began to solve the question. What does that remind you and I of? Immediately it should take you back to where the Bible says, where Lord Jesus Christ says, your heavenly father knows the things that what you have need of before, before somebody say, thank you, Jesus. There is no need that will come your way next year. There is no need that will come your way next week. Some of us, you know, school fees are coming and all of that. There is no need that is going to come near you that your heavenly father world is not aware. And if I want to put that with another scripture, he says he himself what knows what he will do. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, so Peter went and our Lord Jesus Christ said, what's going on? He says, whom do the sons of this collect taxes? Is it from their sons? He said, no, their sons are exempt. He said, from the foreigner. He said, anyway, we shouldn't pay, but lest we offend. That's the thing. You see, when, when you, know, you know, sometimes, or rather, oftentimes, many times, when you and I are, are looking for something, you know, we're looking for it to take us higher, to give us pleasure, to give us comfort. So I need money to buy a better car. I need money to, you know, improve my house or, you know, something like that. Or maybe I even need money to marry and all of that. Those are needs and they're genuine needs. But there's a type of needing of money that is a reproach. The type that brings them, the type where your landlord comes and tells you. And then when the landlord goes, your wife will join to tell you. Are you getting what I'm saying? So this time you don't need money. You need dead money. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, <laughs> the type that... Not just your wife joins, your mother-in-law. You know when your in-laws begin to insult you for not having money? That's the time that you need divine, God would divinely intervene for somebody in the name of Jesus. Do you understand? That's where Peter and Jesus was. It was going to be embarrassing. Your master, you can't pay tax. That's why that miracle happened. Our Lord Jesus Christ, what did he say? He said, we won't offend. He said, go out now. Put in the hook. The first fish you catch, we don't have time to waste. Somebody, God will answer you because there is no time to waste. In the name of Jesus. Yes, yes, he will answer. To roll away reproach. Okay, so Peter went, put in truly. He caught the first fish, opened the mouth and smiled and went to the people and said, this is it. And it was as though the while they had the money, they were just waiting for that time. But the money wasn't there. That shows us something here. That our Lord Jesus did not operate all the time with abundance. But he never was embarrassed. When the Bible says he will not allow you to be put to shame, is a scripture you can stand on. Praise the Lord, somebody. And those are some of his experiences, okay? Other experiences, because of time, we may look at them later. But I mentioned this one because this is also interesting. There's the one in Matthew 26, where Jesus was speaking and Peter was speaking. Jesus said, 
All of you are going to forsake me and run away. This is what is written and this is what I'm going to tell you. Matthew 26, 31 to 35. And Peter was arguing. At a point, Peter said, okay, that is what is written. All these other people, they may forsake you. Okay, I'm not sure of them. But me, Peter, I will never. If others, at that point, I don't know whether it was written. I don't know whether it was predetermined that Peter would deny Jesus. Okay, but what I know is that the Bible says pride will go before what? So if I don't want to fall, what should I do? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. If you don't like falling, learn humility. Praise the Lord. If you don't like embarrassment, learn humility. I don't know. I don't know. Praise the Lord. I don't know. The Holy Spirit hasn't revealed it to me. But I don't know whether Peter was destined to deny Jesus. But his boasting made it necessary. In fact, I don't think it was. That our Lord Jesus Christ had to say to him, Peter, okay, before the cock crows three times, before the cock crows, sorry, you will have denied me how many times? That, that what he was saying was this. This was happening in an evening. He was saying before tomorrow morning. And you know, I think th- those are some of the things that helped Peter become who he became. Because I don't imagine that he was saying that insincerely. He must have been saying what he was saying with all the sincerity of his heart. Can I give you another lesson this morning? My sincerity is not enough. Because Peter was as sincere as possible. But you and I know he still denied Jesus. Because you see, the world we are in, there are so many, so many things that interplay. Do you have time this morning? Are you sure you have time? There are so many things that interplay. Peter's sincerity was 100%. He loved the Lord, no doubt. Nobody can take that from him. But you see, the, the scriptures cannot be broken. Now, be, begin to see what happens now. At the time of prayer, that later that evening, Jesus says, Watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation, isn't it? Did Peter watch and pray? Uh-uh. Did he pray now? When Jesus said, could you not watch with me one hour? Are you with me this morning? Did Peter pray? That's number one. When you don't pray when you should pray, you open the door. Are you with me? You become weak. You become, you operate at less than what God ordained for you. So that was number one lesson. You know, number one thing that began to lay this whole thing in, in, in The other one was this. When, 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 when Peter, at the, at the arrest of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going off my, my thing, but God will help us. Uh, when they came to arrest our Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter went with a knife and struck off Marcus's ear. Okay. At that time, remember he was the only one who did that. Jesus had never encouraged violence with his people. But Peter, out of zeal, when he had not done the spiritual, the natural and physical was only his, his only recourse. You see, when we fail in doing what we should do, inadvertently we do what we shouldn't do. Are you getting me? It's as simple as that. So when you don't pray, when you don't take care of things in the spiritual, you'll be exposed in the natural to do things you shouldn't do. So Peter now brought out his knife to save his master. Whereas he was called to pray with his master to make it through the season. So when he caught the knife, this is what is going on. If you now go home, read the story. That is how come Peter had to deny Jesus 
in that court. You know why? <laughs> if there, ha- if the, 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 one of the persons, the third person, I believe, or the second person, uh, some account makes him the third person, that said to Peter, you're surely a Galilean. You know who that person was? It was the same man he cut off his ear. His wahala was wearing suit, tying gele. If they had found out, oh, you are the knife-wielding man, eh? You're the Boko Haram there. They would have dealt with him. That's why he had to deny. I mean, for whatever reason, he was the one who called. The man said, you're one of them. Peter said, this wahala is too much for me. And he started saying, I never knew him. Anyway, anyway, I'm trying to lay this, you know, that no matter our experience, no matter where we're coming from, Peter... Peter has seen, you know, all of that, our highs and falls. Peter has gone through all that. So when Peter begins to write to us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, and he says of himself, he says, Simon Peter, a bond servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says to those who have obtained like precious faith. Now, what I want us to note here is that the apostles took time in their pieces to write so that today you and I will know that the faith we have is not a modern faith. It is the same faith. You know, we call some people old school. I, I think I'm called, I think some people call me old school. Please, why are you laughing? Okay, you will call me old school, eh? Okay. There is, there is no new school. There is no new school. Peter says, to those who have won, obtain like precious faith. If you go to Jude chapter 3, Jude, Jude, Jude verse Jude doesn't have chapter. So Jude verse 3. Jude writing says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you, concerning what? Our common salvation. They wrote so that you will know that there is no modern Christianity. There is no Christianity that is allowing, you know, room for LGBT, for gays, for people. He says it's a weakness. You know, my weakness is booze. My weakness is, uh, you know, gripping women at their back. My weakness is all of that. No, no, no. It's the same faith. Do you understand? The faith we have has not changed it's, it's a thesaurus. It hasn't changed its definition of words. It hasn't started calling some fornication. Is still fornication. It's not uh, hanging out or sleeping or you know. It's not. It's none of that. It's still for. Is adultery? Is adultery? It's not. What's the new word they call it? They call it side chick. You know, side. If it, the man, what's the man called? Side dog. I don't know. Help me now. If the woman is side chick, what's the man? You know, how the, how the world is just trying to invent, you know, all kinds of things. And, no, you see, the, the truth is this. They can create a new thing, oh, but the, the Christianity has no new model. There is no new model. It says the same, it says the same like, the like, that word like that is the same. I'm writing to many who have what? Obtained the same like precious faith. And he put the word precious. So if it becomes cheap, you know, I love the word of God. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, the Holy Spirit, for giving us the word of God. He put the word precious there. You know why? Anything that is precious is contended for. A, 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 man, a, man, a man was teaching on finances many years ago, where somewhere at the conference. And he said, to prove to you how people defend what is precious to them. He can tap somebody here, he won't respond. Tap somebody here, he won't. But anywhere his wallet is in, if you just put your hand there, you see the person 
put up a defense. Why? He said because where there is value, people do what? Defend it. If you find that your Christianity, you're not defending it. Or you say this person, you know, you always defend. It's because it's precious to me. Do you understand? He said he calls it precious faith. Like precious faith. Now, what also I want us to pick there that Peter was writing is it? The, the message translation captures it. Peter was saying, this thing I mean, I didn't stroll into it. I have an experience. So message will say to us, it says, I write this to you. Whose experience, let's read this together, everybody. I write this to you. Whose what? Experience with God is what? Is as life-changing as ours. Let's repeat that. As life-changing as ours. Child of God, there is no and no born again without a life-changing experience. I'm sorry to tell you, you need to get born again today. If there is no life change, if it's just assent and consent and like, I like Pastor Ikenna, I like the way Mommy Chi sings, I like their church, I like that church, I like Bishop So, I like Pastor So, I like uh, this person So. That is not born again, no. <laughs> no, that is not born again. There is what? A life-changing experience. It can come in different ways. You may have come looking for a girlfriend in church. It's okay. But you have a life-changing experience. You may have come looking for healing. You may have actually come looking for breakthrough. Peter and Peter's salvation was in the process of breakthrough. But to prove to you that he got born again is that he didn't continue on the breakthrough part. Are you hearing me? He didn't continue the moment he found Jesus. Because, listen, the Bible says that, that, it says that, that the parable of the kingdom. Our Lord Jesus Christ says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found treasure in a field. And for joy over it, what did he do? He sold all and what? Bought that field because of the treasure. Let me tell you how you will know if you are genuinely born again. If you will make heaven. If you are on the path to heaven. Now, hearing it now doesn't mean you will make heaven. It's the choice you make after you hear what I'm saying. If your Christianity hasn't cost you other things, then it's possible you have not bought the treasure. Maybe you have asked them to book it down. How many of us know book it down? Okay, okay. Let let me help you understand book it down. Momichi told me what somebody said recently. He said, until a lot hits my phone, my gist with a gist. This person sells things. Yeah? So she sells things. So it says, until your money enters my account, my gist with a gist. So do you have size seven? Keep it. Do you have red? Keep it. Do you have yellow? Keep it. Do you have brown? Keep it. He said, yes. We are gisting. Until what? A <laughs> lot hit my account. Now, what will they do? Now, gist with a gist. That's what it is. Until it cost you something. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure which a man found and for joy over it, he sold. It it must have cost you friends. It must have cost you acquaintances. It must have cost you businesses. It must have cost you a lot of things. When that cost is born, then you can gain the kingdom. Praise the Lord, somebody. Praise Jesus, somebody. Okay, so so Peter says this is what it is. It's a life-changing experience and that is where we begin the journey from. The experience does not have to be dramatic. But you know, and you know that what? Something has happened. Something has happened. 
Oh no, no, no woman gives birth, whether by natural, you know, delivery or by cesarean operation or any of the cesarean section. No, no woman can do that and not know something happened. It's not possible. Even if the labor takes two weeks or it takes one second, like our daughter Mary, how many of us know she put to bed last Friday? Mary, yes, we give God praise. It was wonderful. She just said she stopped by the hospital and the doctor said, go home, go home. Go home. You shouldn't be here. That evening she had put to bed. God is merciful. And I pray that for all our pregnant women in Jesus' name. Okay, so it doesn't matter the problem. But you will know you gave birth to a child. Something happened. So it's the same way in our salvation. Something must happen. Anyway, Peter continues to write to us. So he says, this faith is precious. Okay? It is precious and it has everyone. We come through the same path. There is no assurance given to you by a third party. The Bible says, he that is in Christ is what? A new creation. All things. Sir, (laughs) I'm talking to somebody now. Sir, if all the old things are still with you, then you haven't left them. You are still with them. All things are what? Passed away. Some people, the way they boast about their temper. Everybody knows me. Everybody knows when I lose my temper like this and you're now born again and you're still announcing it like that. Today is the day of salvation. Praise the Lord. Ah, yes, yes. Ah, me and money, eh? Ah, I have to make money. No, brother, I must, if you don't make money in this Nigeria, your life is finished. That's what you were saying. You got born again, you're saying the same thing. Amen. So, so he, he puts that to us in as intro. And then verse 2 moves moves us forward. Verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Remember, we said Peter didn't have to write. Peter is a fisherman. Peter is a Paiwan tapper writing. So every word he puts is not verbose. He's not there to, you know, to tickle us. He's not trying to, um, what's that, um, former house of reps man. He's not trying to bamboozle us with some. Some English. No, no, no. He's writing, you know, with, with, with effort. Why, why is it that people who can speak English, when they're speaking it very well, you see, they're relaxed. But people who can't speak, it's as if they're doing press-up. Have you noticed it? <laughs> For some people, it just flows. Okay? Peter's own was with muscle. <laughs> so Peter talks about grace and peace. Let's read verse 2 together. Grace and peace, what? Be multiplied to you and of Jesus our Lord. Okay, I want you to see something there. Grace and peace can be multiplied. That's what I want you to take note of. Grace and peace can be multiplied. So as we are seated here, we are not all operating at the same level of grace and peace. Everybody is operating at their own level of what? Grace and peace. It can be multiplied. And the good news is that whatever grace and peace you're experiencing can increase. That's why the same news, I mean, the same news in magnitude will come to five different people. And people react differently. One person will say, I'm dead. One person will actually go and kill himself. Another person will go singing. Another person will just start laughing. Why? It's the level of peace they have. 
is the dimension of peace. Remember, Lord Jesus Christ said to us clearly. That's why I just love the Bible. I, can't, I don't know, I'm, I'm saying that too much, but that's the simple truth. Our Lord Jesus Christ said to you, Anna, He says, in this world, you will have what? Tribulation. He didn't say you may. He didn't say you may. He said, but what? In me. One place says, but be of good cheer for what? I have overcome the world. In other words, he said, in me, you have peace. You see? If you are in him, we talked about a drunk man some time ago. A drunk man is a man who is really drunk, has no respect for his landlord. If a landlord meets a really drunk man, he will tell him, shut up. How much is this your house? I will buy you and buy the house. <laughs> He's full of what? Worry spirit. Fire water. The same way, when a man is full of God, are you getting me now? He's also not afraid of circumstances. Why? Like we learned on when God has the whole world in his hands. Kings and kingdoms at his beck and call. So a man doesn't ship because of that. Okay? So peace, peace can be multiplied. And I challenge you, child of God, before the end of this year, graduate in peace. Yes, graduate in peace. As a father, graduate in peace. As a businessman, graduate in peace. As a you know, businesswoman, as a mother, graduate in peace. Nothing should move you. You know, do, do, you, do you understand what it means to worship God? We, we sang beautiful worship songs there. You call God, do you know what it means to be omnipotent? Praise the Lord. Do you know what it means to be omnipotent? And this omnipotent God is omni, omniscient as well. So he can do all things and he knows all things. Okay? And this omnipotent and omniscient God is your father. Do, do you know what that says? Do, 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 you, know, do you know that's why the, the, the apostle Paul can write to us by the Holy Spirit? And we know that how many things? All things, what do they do? They work together for good to those who love God and that they called according to his purpose. There, there is no gang up against the Lord now. That's the simple truth. There can be a gang up against the Lord. He said, before they gather, I can see them. The one that will threaten me, if they are wearing it, I won't allow it to gather. There can be a gang up. Okay? So, that, that begins to help you know how much peace you and I can operate in. We, we can take our level of peace. Okay? And grace also. The same thing. God's grace, the ability, you know, to live life as though you're not a human being, as a supernatural being. Okay, let, let's go to three. Three will help us understand that. Okay, before, before we do that, let's look at verse two in the Living Bible just to help us. I, I want us to see something because what we're doing is Bible study. So you can get this thing this fisherman wrote. How does grace and peace increase? I need somebody to help me. How? Thank you. I think you got through the knowledge of God. Thank you, sir. Grace and peace is what? Increase through the knowledge of God. Now, what I'm trying to say to you is this. It's not the anointing oil that will increase grace and peace. It's not the bishop's mantle. If I remove this jacket and give you, it's not Father sticker. Neither is it bishop whoever sticker. Is none of those things that will increase grace and peace. What increases grace and peace, you know why? None of those persons are omnipotent. None of them are omniscient. In fact, they need help because that's why they go with Mopo and then give you their sticker to go with. 
They are more afraid than you. Their sticker doesn't work for them. Are you getting me? Grace and peace is not even dependent on the church you attend. It's increased. Why? Through the knowledge of God. Thank you. The living Bible is finally here. No, it was his birthday yesterday. Let's read it. What does it say? Read it to your neighbor, please. Just read it to your neighbor. Is it not simple? Eh? In fact, I'm having so much fun. You see, thank you, Holy Spirit, for grace. You see, it's not that the service was powerful, that gives grace and peace. It's how much of him. Many years ago, Dad told us that anywhere he's in a meeting, he prays. He said, Lord, what of you that I didn't know before that I can learn today? I want to know you more today. Do you understand? It's not how many people attended. You know, I, I don't know how human beings reason. You attend, if you go to the bank, how many person has ever gone to the bank to withdraw money and came back home and said to the friends, nah man, the bank was full today. Now, almost 1,000 people were in this bank. How many have given that information before? Why? The only information that matters when you return from the bank is how much money you collected. Why is it that when you attend a Christian program, you come back with news? Now, this program, eh, there were one million people in this program. Nah, man, it was powerful. Uh-uh. One million people. How does it affect what you withdrew? The devil is not relaxing. His time is short. Which church you attend? Ah, don't you know my church? It's very big. Remember, which bank do you use? Is not a question. Is how much do you have? Even if it's microfinance bank. Somebody can have 10 million in microfinance bank. Somebody ha- can have 10,000 in GT bank. You don't go about boasting. Which one is the biggest bank now? Which bank do you, any banker here? Let me advertise your bank. We don't have, okay. Ah, I bank with so-so person. And you're doing shakara with it. It, it doesn't, it, <laughs> are these things simple enough? It doesn't matter where you go. What matters is the withdrawal you take home. That's what matters. That's what matters. Hallelujah. So it says, learn to know him better. Learn to know him better. Learn to know him better. Learn to know God better. It's not how many shilos you attend. It's not how many. Why, why do you think the number that attend those big programs keep increasing? You imagine that it's because miracles happen. No. If there are miracles happen, they would have stopped coming. Let me tell you, I, I, I pray that you have discernment. Listen, Ponzi scheme works in every area. If 100,000 people come and I bring out two people and they share testimony, it's like the lottery. How many people win lottery? How many people win the lottery? One or two win lottery. How many people play? The millions that play, why are they playing? They are saying I will be the one or two. So those who won... And those who lost. Next year, what happens? More people. And then you're counting the people. Why are you not counting the impact on your life? Grace and peace be multiplied. How? Through the knowledge. Through the knowledge. You want to increase grace and peace. Increase the revelation of God you're praying in. This is what our Lord Jesus was teaching us. When he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. And what will happen? Every other thing shall be added. Let's go to the next verse. This is Peter the fisherman writing to us. He says, as his divine power has what? Given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How again? 
Are we seeing that Peter is telling us something here? His divine power, the supernatural in my life, let it what? Operate. How? It says again, through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him. That's the way it operates. So when the Bible says, study, be diligent to show yourself approved. And, and I'm, I'm sure you, you know that. When we talk about knowledge here, yeah, I'm not talking about reading to tell. Reading to impress. No, it's reading to know. This book of the Lord shall not what? Depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it what? Day and night, that you might what? Observe what? To do is knowledge for personal transformation. The knowledge to know how this thing works. The knowledge to become a skilled person in this area. To obtain a doctorate in God things. Praise the Lord. So this is what Peter says also. Divine power, he takes us back to knowledge. According as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and God. Through, through, how? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now verse 4. And we try and round up from there. Verse 4. Verse 4 says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and what? Precious promises. Hold on. By which have been what? Given to us what? Exceedingly great and precious promises. Now hold on, hold on. I want you to do a test here. I want you to do Bible. I want to ask you, why did they give you exceedingly great and precious promises from the text? Before we finish reading. Why? You shown that immediately. Why did they give me the promises? So the promises were given to me so that what? Through these promises, I may become what? A partaker of the divine nature. So the promise is not to make me a billionaire. The promise is to make me a divine naturea. Are you with me? The promises were given to change my nature. It says, by which have been given to us what? Exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these promises, you may become a partaker of the divine nature. The promises are to let help me to lift up from this low living to a high living. The Bible says, set your mind on the things which are above, where what Christ is. They are telling you about another world. You see, haven't they done you 419 before? Do I have people that like me that they have done 419 to before? You see, when they are doing you 419, they are doing it successfully. You live where you are. I remember that time in Lagos when they did me 419. I, my car was no longer my car. I was driving a particular car, but I bought another one. Because the money they calculated that if this, if this is my 7,000, if they're converted, Gigi, they've done it to you too. Well, you see, <laughs> listen, you see, when, when they catch you, they transmit you from where you are. You begin to live in another world. That's the world of the future. That's what he's saying. When they give you this exceedingly great and precious promise, you don't remain here anymore. You set your mind where? On things above where Christ is. That's the original one. That one is not 419. That's why he says to us, in my father's house, there are what? There are many mansions. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He said, if we were not so, what would happen? I would have told you. Exceedingly great and precious promises that by these you can look at men and say, I'm no longer a mere man. 
The temptations that hold men, that capture men. So, young man, they can't tempt you with sex. Joseph was having exceedingly great and precious promises. So, the temptations of Potiphar's wife could not bring him down. He was no longer, he was friends with God. His matter was not what will happen in the house. His matter was what will happen in heaven. How can I do this and miss my friendship with God? Exceedingly great and precious promises. That is why we have church people filled everywhere. We have Christians filled everywhere. But we don't have changed people. Why? Because the exceedingly great promises they are having is not to change their nature. It's to change their current situation. And nature is something deep. And that's why the Bible says nature there. You know why the Bible put nature there? Because ideally it would change some things about you. But you know why the Bible put nature? Your nature determines everything about you. If we set a beautiful table here now, you know, seven cost meal here, you know, keep it low enough, okay? And we'll bring, uh, we'll bring uh, what kind of animal now? If we'll, bring, if we'll bring a cat, if we'll bring a cat, a cat will come in and, you know, relax very well and eat from that table down here, okay? If we'll bring a dog, a dog also will probably do the same thing. But if we'll bring a pig and the pig comes and there's food everywhere and it's very neat, the pig will say these people are dry. You know why? The nature of pig calls to death. So where is anywhere that is clean repulses him. So heaven knows that the major work is to change your nature. When your nature is changed, your appetite will change. When your nature changes, the environment you desire will change. When your nature changes, your values will change. That's why you can't see a man with the divine nature. You don't clap for anybody. No, not any kind of person can be your star. The, those who we celebrate are those who are turning many to righteousness. If you're not doing that, I can't clap for you. What are you? You, you can dance and then? You have money and then? Do you understand? You can solve mathematics and then? Does that make you a star? No. Those who are stars are those who are walking in the line of our Lord Jesus. Who are turning many what, from sons of darkness. What did the apostle Paul say? He says he has called me to translate men from the kingdom of darkness what, to the kingdom of his dear son. As many as are doing that, they are my stars. I celebrate them. Whether they are pushing truckle or they are flying planes, they are supernatural stars. Why? Because the investment they are making will last for eternity. That's what it is. So nature changes everything. Nature changes value. It changes appetite. It changes what hurts you. It changes what excites you. It changes what you are afraid of. Oh, nature changes what you are afraid of. It changes your fears. It kills some fears and raises some fresh fears. That's why you see godly men. Okay? Godly men, you see them. When their wife is angry, they are shaking. You see ungodly men, when their wife is angry, they are calling, Nah, oh boy, Jim. Make we go hang out. This woman don't call her again. Godly men know that this this lady I'm marrying, God is my father-in-law. Now, baby, what did I do wrong? You understand? You don't want to look for God's trouble. You understand the scripture? You understand? He said, dwell with your wife's understanding that what? That your prayers may not be. You, You understand what is in that wife God gave you. But ungodly men, he said, she has started again. Now I'm coming, I'm coming. And they just move. They fear what they shouldn't fear. And then they're not afraid of who they should fear. The Bible tells us who to fear. It's God we should fear. 
you understand? We shouldn't fear any other thing. Anyway, so it says this has been given to us that through this we may become partakers of the divine nature. And can I tell you something, brothers and sisters? The Bible is saying the same thing all the while. Though. Romans 8.29. Romans 8.29. We'll, we'll come back to Second Peter. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son. So this is what he's looking for. Everything God is doing is to make you look like Jesus. The divine nature, that's what he's working on. That ever since, God has a project. Somebody say God has a project in my life. He wants me to have the divine nature. He wants me to look like his son. That's what this one is saying. He predestined you. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Let's look at Colossians 3. 8 to 10 quickly and see what he has to say. Thank you. He says, but now you yourself are to put off all this, okay? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, feel the language out of your mouth. And nine, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Now, this is what he says. And have put on the new man, the new nature, who is what? Renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. That is what it is. And should this surprise us? God does not change. He said, I'm the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. In Genesis, what did he say? Let us make man how? In our image. He's maintained that position ever through. When Jesus came, he came to show us God. So that seeing Jesus as God, we can also now begin to relearn what we lost when Adam fell. So, the exceedingly great and precious promises were given to us. So that through these promises, we can what? Become partakers of the divine nature. That's what the promise is for. So, you can claim the promises in any way you want, but claim the nature. Because, let me just re-emphasize something there for our understanding. Let, let's see how it works. Let's go back to Colossians 3, 8, or nine, eight, 8 and 9, if you can put 8 and 9. Th- this is what it is. The promises will keep me from wrath, no matter what happens. The promises will keep me from malice. What causes malice? Malice. Do men have malice? I think it's women's business. It's women's sickness. Men have malice. Look at the anger. You, you have malice against men, these women. The way, they say yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you people, uh, please, Gigi, let's apologize to them. The way, the way they say yes is... <laughs> Okay, okay. I want us to see practically how these divine, you know, exceedingly great promises, you know, help us to, you know, um, transit these issues and, and, and partake of the divine. Malice is maybe, okay, but let, let's use women. So just forgive me. Okay, okay, let's use men. Okay. Let's use men. Okay. Like, like um, I have a very close friend of mine, you know, from uh, secondary school and university and all of that. Who knew my wife before, before I met her? So when I was going to get married to her, he told me, don't marry her, don't marry her. I didn't know the guy was, you know, falling for my wife as well. So I ignored the advice and still married her ever since then. 
When I saw him on Facebook, I invited, invited, invited. He didn't answer me. Invited, invited, invited. <laughs> so I think that's malice, eh? That's what? Beef. <laughs> okay, 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 that's the modern one. Okay, but, but, but let, 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 let's take it this way. Okay, so, so let, let, let's take it, let's take it, praise the Lord, that he had wanted to marry her and maybe was more qualified than I was. And then I now married the wife he wanted, the girl he wanted to marry. Exceedingly great and precious promises, if he had them, would tell them, and you know, that in all things, God does what? Works for the good of those who love him and are called. So when this girl is married off, he will go to God and say, I know you have someone what? Better for me. Will he be able to now have malice? No. The other one says anger. Anger is because of loss of control. Nobody has anger where he has control. But where there's a situation where things are going out of control, if you know that your God is omnipotent, if you know that your God can reverse plane in the air, do you understand? Pastor Law used to have anointing for delaying flights. Yes. You're late for a flight. And you know that your God will cause that flight to be delayed. Do you understand? If, if you know the greatness of your God, you can operate in the divine nature. It's, it's lack. Lack is our problem. Limited thinking. Thinking that God is our mate. That's our problem. But when you know all these things, when you know he's the resurrection and the life, when you know that no good thing will he withhold from you, when you know that he's the restorer, the rewarder, the rebuilder, when you know that he's all of that, I'm telling you, you can be calm. Anytime I see myself agitating, I know it's lack of faith. It's lack of revelation. You're shouting, you're fighting. It's because you don't see God in that situation. So the exceedingly great and precious promises are to help us Operate like the way we are designed to operate. When you lose sight of them, you misbehave. When you remember them, you operate in the divine nature. So it has nothing to do. We're going to see. Let, let me not be the one to say. Let's go back to our second Peter one four. We're going to see where the problem is with you know the generation we're in now, and then we round the second Peter please one four. Let's go back there. Thank you. So it says that through this you may be what partakers of the divine nature now. But do you know the last part? Let's read the last part there. What does the last part say? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us. Let's stop now. Now, do you know that that last part should come before English language? Isn't it? When he says having, then it means that I cannot operate in the divine nature if I've not dealt with that. Okay? So, you know, board mass, you deal with the brackets first and all of that. So, let's go and deal with that last line. So, he said, having escaped what? The corruption. Let's stop there. So, it's understandable. If there is corruption, then it can, I, can't have, I can't have corruption and the divine nature at the same time. It can, the two can't work together. Praise the Lord. So, for corruption, for, the, sorry, for divine nature to be my experience, then I have to deal with corruption. Okay? So, let's look at that and see what is the cause of corruption. Help me somebody from the text. What does it say? What is the cause of corruption? Lost. Thank you. Let's clap for ourselves. Yes. The cause of corruption is lost. Now, 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 now. We're going to see something here and then we, we begin to pray. 
the challenge we have with our time is that this Bible, this Bible that we have is a book that should inspire contentment. I wish I could pull my hair, but there's no hair. This Bible, when you read the word of God, is a book that should what? Inspire, compel, instigate contentment. But you know what? In these days, it has been made a book for lost. Timothy, I think, first Timothy, six verse six. It says something there. One short statement, short statement, but enough for us for today. It says, let's read it, everybody. It says, now, godliness, what? With contentment is what? That is why many Christians you know will not make heaven. Because they're not content. They don't have contentment. Contentment is not being like a this year. It's not being lazy. It's not being unproductive. It's not being uh, uh, laid back. It's none of that. It is just contentment. You know why? If there's no contentment, you are like a mouse running around where there are all kinds of traps set. It will catch you. It will surely catch you. If every time you go to church, they are trying to tell you, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. What your mind will be thinking is, get it, get it, get it. But you have not thanked him, thanked him, thanked him. You have not been establishing what you have. You have not celebrated what you have. You have not appreciated what he's done. You have not even counted his deliverance. The psalmist said, had it not been for the Lord who was on our side, where would I? He said, you have not even, all that has happened is nothing unless you get it. What is the definition of lost? Anybody? Any um, scholar here? Lost is strong desire for something that is not, I don't want to use the word legally, for something that is not, you know, is not yours, maybe not now, but it's a strong desire. It says the corruption. Now, 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 I want you to look at the Bible. Thank God this English Bible where it is. It said the corruption that is in the world is from where? Is where was the root? Lost. No, no, no. The world, the world includes politics. We have problem with our politics. Where is it coming from? Lost. Help me now. We have problem in our educational system. Do you know that we saw, you know, as our children were going through primary school, secondary school, with the advent of a lot of private schools, we saw the corruption coming. You know what was the corruption? Because parents checked the results of WIAC and the international uh, exams before they decide to place their students in school, some schools now... Before, before, let me. You, you have time with me, right? I've missed you. Before, the first one was Oyibo principle. So, people will establish schools there with seasoned administrators and educationists. And then they will go and find one retired Scottish man or woman that can't even walk. And put her as principal. Then we, black mumu. When we come there, once we see a Yubo person, we say, this is the school our child will go. So all the schools started looking for aged, retired, you know. There was one that couldn't even talk. I don't know. You know. 
But he was the principal, and we're going there, you see. <laughs> That's why I can identify with Peter. We all mess up, you know. <laughs> okay? So, but they graduated from there and saw that external exam. So, you know what they started doing? The schools themselves, not the students. When I was in school, the school would fight against exam malpractice. The school started aiding and abetting exam malpractice so that when the results come out, they can say they had 70 A's, 61 B's, and all of that. What was all that for? Corruption through lust. They want more students. Now, what is happening in the church today? Corruption through lust. Oh, yes. Listen, I've been pastoring 1997 to 2021 is how many years? Sorry? 24 years. I've been pastoring for 24 years. Don't you think I deserve a 1 million congregation church? In the overflow, shout hallelujah. From the overflow, not from here. The second overflow. Listen, if you want those things, uh, the corruption that is where? In the world through lust. Whether it's church, whether it's education, whether it's... uh, Even some people, their marriage is in pain now because that marriage was through lust. You looked at the man, you don't love him. But the car, man, the AC in that car, his house, the Sanyo. Somebody married when he was Sanyo here. I don't know why. (laughs) The young people wouldn't know Sanyo now. (laughs) Church, could you know Sanyo? Have you heard of Sanyo? Uh You know Apple. We will know Sanyo. JVC. The Sanyo in that guy's house, man. You married because of Sanyo. <laughs> the, the corruption that is in marriages through lust. Through lust. That is the problem. Peter is the one. Peter is not educated. So there's nothing. He's writing out of difficulty. He, he finished it. The corruption that is in our relationships through lust. And, and, and the modern social media, electronic media is not helping now. Because it's making loss come to your face. Before you can actually be walking and refuse to look sideways. But now if you look at your phone, the thing will look at you. Eh? You write. Pastor now there are wonderful things you write. You know, those things you write are powerful. Okay? You look at it, one like. After two weeks, you look at it, one like. That's why, that's why pastors now, they, they say, the, the, the things most pastors post, and I've told them, don't try that for me. The things most pastors this week you will break through. This week your enemies will, everybody rising up against you. What nonsense. What's the point of that? Are you God? Do you know who is reading it? Did you read their mail? Did God tell you? How can, where, where is it in the Bible? Even God says, Jesus says, if any man. Jesus never gave blanket prophecy. So where do you get that from? Even God in salvation, they say, for God so loved the world that everybody in the world must be saved. You say, who's... So where, where do pastors get that thing? They want likes. Because when they push such things, everybody will be like, push, push, push. They're just liking, 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 liking. 
So they're, they're asking, the, 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 the boys will come and say, oh God, this one has many likes. More like this, more like, say okay. This week, all your enemies, before they rise, they will fall and die. Like, 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 like. You say more like that. And then you're just going. Corruption that is in the preaching of the word through lust. That's the problem. And then, and then, you see, corruption that is even in worship and dedication through lust. <laughs> Let's rise on our feet. But we're going to pray. I, I'm, I'm, we're going to take two prayers. The first prayer is for as many as I hear who are saying, Pastor, I want to start my Christian journey today. I started before, but I want to start today. I want to have that life-changing encounter with Jesus today. I want to begin my work with him today. That's the first prayer I want us to pray. So if you're here and you want to do that, I want to make sure I give you the opportunity to start your Christian journey today. Maybe you knew him or maybe someone is here. You've never even heard the gospel. Then what we are talking about is about the son of God. Whom the father sent into the world to become a propitiation for our sins. He came into the world and died in my place. Died in your place. Took my sin, the weight of my sin upon himself. So that I can become, I can be forgiven. And I can be made a child, a son of God, a daughter of God. So if you're here, and like we said, the apostle Paul proves to us. That no matter the life a man has lived. That there is mercy to forgive his past. And grace to transform his future. So you're here this morning. You may be the next Apostle Paul. You may be the next Mary Magdalene. You may be one mighty one that God has a program for. It doesn't matter your experience. Today, if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it can be the beginning of the best days of your life. I want to encourage you if you're there, please just raise your hand so I can see, so I can pray with you quickly. So I can pray with you today, 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 my day of salvation, today, your day of salvation. Are you here? Then raise that hand so I can pray with you quickly, quickly, please, quickly, quickly. If you can, if you can just wave that hand. Sorry, if you want, if you're feeling that need in your heart, you're sensing that this was for you. There's an opportunity for you to begin this journey. Then Jesus is calling you. He's saying, I came for you. I came for you. My day of salvation today. Today, Father, we thank you. Okay, the next, the second which I want us to do is that I want us to pray now. You see, lust is desire. Lust is a strong desire engineered from my own bowels. Sometimes it might even be things that are prepared for me in my future. Just like premarital sex. By the grace of God, if Jesus tarries, you will marry. Why do you want to mess up your life? Okay? Just like many things in life. So we're going to pray. And the prayer we will pray is that we will kick out trust. Sorry, we'll kick out lust. And replace it with trust. I want to trust in the Lord. I don't want to lust again. Anything in my life, I want to trust. You see, the, the old school people said to us, he said, trust and what? Obey. He said for what? There is no other way. No other way. So you have burdens. 
you have reproaches, you have things weighing in on you, you have challenges. I want you to say to the Lord today, I will not lust anymore because I don't want corruption. I will trust. If you lost, lust will automatically lead you to disobedience. Trust will automatically lead you to obedience. Which one do you want? Obedience. I want us to begin to pray. Lord, I want to exchange all my lust. And lust have fears. Lust have fears. Lust has torment. Lust tells you if you don't get it now, you'll never get it. Lust tells you it is finishing. Lust tells you it is, it is, it is, it, it is no more. Lust tells you you may never have it. It brings with it torment. But this morning, this morning, you're banishing every spirit of loss by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We stand as the church of the living God and we rebuke the spirit of loss. We say out of the people of God, out of the assembly of God, even out of our nation, even out of educational system. We rebuke that spirit. We will not lose any longer. We rebuke that spirit. Loss has torment. Loss has fears. Loss has insecurities. Loss has sickness. Loss brings with it all manner of evil things. And we say no more to this source and root of corruption. It is through loss. And we rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. We rebuke it. I will lose no longer. Rather, I will trust. I want you to begin to receive from the Lord. He says, like a wind child, our soul is quieted within me. Lord, I will trust in you. You are my healer. You are my provider. You are my way maker. My times are in your hands. My tomorrow is in your hands. My yesterday you brought me far. You are the secret of my life. You are the strength of my life. You are the source of my life. You are everything to me. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, no good thing. Tell him, I want you to say to him, no good thing will you withhold from me. So I will trust in you. You have a plan for me. You have a future for me. You have a destiny for me. You have my path planned out even before I was formed. You wrote it out, O oh Lord. And today I stand before you to say I will seek to know you. That I may trust in you. For you are good and you do good. Tell him, Lord, I will trust in you. You are my Lord. You are my Lord. I will trust in you. Every area of my life. Somebody, your spiritual growth. Tell the Lord I will trust in you. Lord, you can make me. You can change me. You can transform me. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Begin to declare that. Say some, some of us here, some situations are coming up in our minds. Tell the Lord in that situation, I will trust in you. Tell the devil, get out. I will lust no longer. I will trust in the Lord. For the Lord my God is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. We serve a good God. Concerning our nation, we will trust in you. It is difficult. It looks, you know, so challenging. But we will trust in you. We will trust in you. Because he's able to accomplish all that consensus. Mommy, please, can you help us with that song, please? You are able. More than able. Yes, let's declare that. These are some of the old school songs that we grew up with. And, you know, it planted us in our work. In our growth in the kingdom. Lord, 
to handle anything that comes my way. He is You have been listening to a message from the Father's Church. We are sure you have been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, off Bannex Guarampa Expressway, near Next Cash and Carry, Abuja, 9 a.m. Sunday and 6 p.m. Wednesday. Call us on 070 31 you can also find us online on our website www.thefatherschurchonline.org Facebook facebook.com slash thefatherschurch our twitter handle at thefatherschurch also on instagram thefatherchurch God bless you